What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Rewired Soul Podcast. It's your host, Chris, and today we're going to be talking about lying. All right. Uh, so today's guest is Asia Raiden. So check it out. A little bit of backstory, a little bit. So for a while, for a while, I got really into the topic of, you know, trust lying, mainly from the angle of trust. Like I, I, I just started like thinking like, why do we trust people? Right. And Asia and I, we, we talk about that a little, you know, in this conversation, like, it's really crazy when you think about it. like, we trust people, you know, who are driving, you know, on the freeway next to us, if they're, you know, not drunk or crazy or, you know, whatever we trust mechanics and doctors and people making our food and all that. But anyways, aside from that, you know, if you're like me, a lot of us wonder, like, how do people fall for, you know, uh, a great example is misinformation, right? What seems so obvious to us, whether it's, you know, about things involving science, like, you know, COVID or vaccines or whatever, or these bigger things where people get scammed. Well, Aja's book is titled The Truth About Lies. And although I, I read a ton of books on this, hers really dives into, um, you know, some of some of the like the greatest cons throughout history. Like I finally learned from her book about, uh, you know, that saying like, oh, if you believe that I got a bridge to sell you, but it goes so much deeper. But anyways, she she kind of breaks it down into a few topics. And we talk about those those topics of lies, like they're in categories, right? Like lies that we tell ourselves, lies that we tell to other people, and then like lies that we agree upon, right? So we, we talk about all this, and we talk about why people after getting conned or lied to, why they don't come forward, why they don't say anything happened. So this, you know, the con person can keep going around conning people. But this conversation, we were, uh, Asia and I were actually talking on Twitter because I was very curious because even when somebody like Donald Trump, who has, you know, perpetuated the narrative of, you know, you don't need the vaccine and all that, he got booed on stage after saying he got the vaccine, you know? So even when the main source of that lie turns it around, people still don't come back to reality. I, I was like, Asia, let's, let's talk about that. So that, that, those are just a few things that we touched on in this podcast. So I hope you enjoy it, but make sure you check out the description down below. Go follow Asia over on Twitter, all right? And grab a copy of her book, The Truth About Lies. That'll be linked down below, all right? But also down in the description, you will find my social media. Make sure you're following me over on Instagram and Twitter so you don't miss any upcoming episodes or future episodes. I usually give you little, little hints about who I'm talking to and who's coming on and all that. But most of all, I love chatting with all of you. And before we get started, if you are new here, make sure you are subscribed to the podcast. Make sure you're following it because I talk to so many different authors about so many different topics. So you want to make sure you don't miss any. All right. But anyways, without further ado, here's my conversation with Asia about her book, The Truth About Lies. So hello, Asia. How you doing today? Good. I'm, I'm glad, doing good. I'm glad we were finally able to do this. So Me too. We, we are going to be talking about a few things, mainly your book. Love the book, The Truth About Lies. It's your newer book. 
But yeah, what what inspired this book? Was it the previous books and things you were thinking about? Like what 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 made you want to write this? Uh, it was a combination of things. It was it was partly the previous book. Um, the previous book was supposed to be followed close behind by a direct sequel that I had been working on. Mm. That ironically, in part, centered around Afghanistan. So that would have been timely. Huh. But it was about metals and minerals and mining mm-hmm. and the Silk Road. But um, this was a different idea that I had, in part because a friend of mine at one point had said, you know, I want to read a book about famous swindles and cons. And I was like, mm-hmm. hey, I'll write it. But I didn't mean right now. Yeah. And then it was just sort of in the back of my mind. And then the world got weird. And then it got really weird. Yeah. And then it doubled down on really weird. Yeah. And it just kept getting weirder and weirder and weirder. And every time somebody said something to me, I would think, wrong with you yeah these are like people i like and people i went to college with and Mm -hmm. sometimes people i dated or was on a date with or you know and or i would turn on the news and i would go are you kidding me yeah and it was just like this stew of bubbling insane and i spent a year or so thinking what is going on Yeah, in people's seething little minds? Mm-hmm. And it started to just occupy so much of my mental real estate. I gave up on the other book for a while. And I thought, you know, I might as well get paid to obsess about this. Yeah, right. And I ended up writing this book, which is in part sort of a micro history of deception. Yeah. It, so- and cons. And in part, it's about why people believe what they believe. So when when this was all happening, like I'm trying to just think about the state of the country when you started writing it. Like this wasn't like last election season, so it wasn't like the voter fraud nonsense. No. What what was it? Was it like 2019, 2000? Like when when was it? What was happening in the it world? It was, was um uh when I was actually writing it because when you write a book, you write it. And then they spend a whole year tinkering with it and yeah. sending it back to you for edits. And um, when I was actually writing it, it was like 2018, mm, 2018-ish. Yeah. I started it in in late 2017, and then I wrote it in 2018 and finished it in 2019. Yeah, so maybe, yeah, I... I, I don't remember all the major news, but that's like midterm time and stuff like that. So I'm sure there was a lot of political talk, but yeah, that's one of the reasons I read so many books because I'm just fascinated with human behavior. And like, like you said, like I'm looking at, I'm like, how does this happen? How, you know, I started with a lot of just like trying to learn about like human irrationality and all these other things. So like when it comes to deception, Brexit, Brexit, that was on my mind a little bit. Yeah. 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 yeah, That was great. weirding me out because I lived in England and um what else I mean just everything so many things yeah this was long before COVID but there were a few medical scandals that were just Mm. like ugh because there's a whole chapter on snake oil yeah yeah so so yeah like so in the book, you break it down. You talk about like a few different types of lies and everything like that. And everybody's going to go buy the book. But can you like kind of briefly cover like these like major categories that you kind of broke it down sure. into? 
Yeah, because I'm sort of obsessed with how people think about lying and how they believe. Mm -hmm. So the way I broke it down for myself, ultimately, was that there are only really three categories of lies. There are lies we tell each other, lies we tell ourselves, and then lies we agree to believe sort of tacitly Mm -hmm. as a society. And those are the most complicated, weirdest ones. And then within those categories, I chose three different archetypical lies. And an example of um, lies we tell each other would be like um, a classic in the first one in my book is the big lie. That's -hmm. where you tell a huge, ridiculous, outrageous lie and you just sell it. Mm -hmm. Like, I own an island. Yeah. That's the first chapter in the book is this man who made up a country and sent boats full of hundreds of colonists out into the ocean to nowhere to die. Mm -hmm. And, um, or another one would be a bait and switch. Like, I'm going to sell you this swampland in Florida that's wonderful. Yeah. And it's not. Yeah. And then um, an example of lies we tell ourselves are placebos. Hmm. That's a good one. Yeah. That's snake oil. Um, or lies we tell ourselves. Another good example is uh, pyramid schemes. Mm-hmm. This is going to make me rich because it's a real business. And even if it's not, I got in soon enough that this Bitcoin is definitely not a scam. Yeah. And then lies we all agree to believe are things more like paper money. This yeah. is definitely real and important and different than another piece of paper that says 20 with an S with two lines through it. Yeah. But it's not. It's only real because we'd agreed to believe it's real. Yeah. But in agreeing to believe it, it becomes real. Uh-huh. Yeah. And that's how counterfeiting works. Yeah. Yeah. Which is and- my favorite kind of lie. <laughs> Because if we all believe it, it becomes real. Yeah, and that's And that's how crazy. diamonds work. Diamonds were not valuable until someone convinced us they were. And now they actually retroactively are, even though the lie has been exposed, enough people believe it that it took on critical mass like vision. And it doesn't matter that it's not true and we all know it. It's mm-hmm. still true anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I, I, I found your book because I got into this whole thing where I wanted to understand why do we, it was more about like trust. I was trying to understand why we trust people. I just thought that was interesting. Like, like every day, like, you know, when we drive, like we were just talking about driving, right? Before we out that, like I am trusting everybody around me not to be a lunatic and just crash into me, right? Trust is important. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, you go to, you know, you go to the doctor, you go to, you know, the restaurant, you trust that they're not going to poison you or spit in your food. Like there's so much trust. And I just started reading all these books and I, you know, stumbled into like lying and why people fall for it. So like I spent months just reading all this and, and yeah, I, I loved it. So yeah, like civilization doesn't exist without trust. Yeah. So and that was my favorite part of the chapter on pyramid schemes. Yeah. Without cooperation, without trust, there's no cooperation. Mm-hmm. And without cooperation, there's no possibility of cheating. And without the possibility of cheating, there is no impetus to cooperate. Mm-hmm. And you see that in every species, not just humans. You see it in bees and flowers. You see it in ants and caterpillars. Mm. You see it in all sorts of species where there's mutualism, which is the relationship where 
they don't help each other on purpose. They're helping themselves, but in helping themselves, like a bee that pollinates a flower, when mm-hmm. it gets it's when it gets the nectar it needs, it also picks up some pollen and takes it to the next flower. That's defined by biologists as mutualism. Mm-hmm. They're not trying to help each other. They're getting what they want. But in doing so, they're doing what the other one needs to survive. Mm-hmm. But in these relationships, always, 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 if you observe them long enough, you'll find a cheater. Yeah. You'll find a bee that doesn't bother to risk its life sticking its head down the flower, butt in the air, getting pollen. It just chews through the side of the flower and sips the nectar out of the bottom. Mm. It robs the flower, it does nothing for it, and leaves it with a big gaping hole. Now, it doesn't do that every time, because if it did, it would kill all the flowers. Yeah. And this sweet, mutualistic relationship would be over. Uh-huh. It does it once in a while, which is just enough to have a competitive advantage over all the other bees. Yeah. But not so often as to get caught or mess up the sweet thing it's got going with the flowers. Yeah. Yeah, Which that is makes... how cheating works. Yeah. But you just a little bit. Enough to keep the cooperative relationship going. Yeah. So I'm I'm curious, like, you know, like when you got the idea, like when you wanted to look into this or write this book, like a lot of it's like self-deception, right? Like we're going to dive into some of the, like the current events. Um, but, you know, you even take MLMs for an example, right? Like, oh, I'm going to make all this money and just you're, you're getting, you know, the num- I'll put it this way. The number one lesson, one of the main lessons I've taught my son is if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is, right? That's the main thing. But that it doesn't seem like that's our default at all. So through your research, like, have you figured out like why, why people fall for it? Like, is, are they, yeah. do they have to be in like a certain vulnerable state or, or? Yeah, no, what our default as humans is to believe everything. <laughs> yeah. That's the most interesting thing I learned about belief. And I learned a lot of interesting, bizarre things about belief. Like the point I was just trying to make about cheating is that while it's bad, if you're the person getting cheated or the flower getting cheated or whatever, it's that cheating is the flip side of cooperation, have to exist together. Same way lying is the flip side of of. Well, deception is the flip side of belief. They have to exist together. I learned a lot of wild things, but the weirdest one I learned about humans is that we are born pre-programmed, freaking believe everything. Mm-hmm. It's our biggest evolutionary advantage over other species. And it really is ours. Mm-hmm. Ours specifically. And it's the biggest one we have. It's better than opposable thumbs. It's Huge. It's called an honesty bias. Mm-hmm. What it means is we have this tendency to believe anything we're presented with as true, as long as there's no really obvious reason not to. So if you asked me what time it was and I said three o'clock mm-hmm. in the afternoon, unless it was dark out or I looked at my watch and my watch was drawn on my wrist in Sharpie, you would have no reason to suspect I was lying to you. Uh-huh. You would just go, oh, okay. Yeah. And believe it was three o'clock. When you're presented with information, you just accept it's true. Mm. It's how you learn to talk. It's how you learned what fire is. It's how you learned the alphabet and your name and how to read and write and use this computer we're on. And you didn't have to invent everything from scratch. You know, go questing for fire like a caveman uh-huh. and try to invent the wheel yeah. and do everything yourself from the time you were born. 
you just accepted everything you were presented with as real mm-hmm. and moved on like every other human. Yeah. It's why humans get to build knowledge cumulatively at this rapid, insane pace where we're like building Mars colonies right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a reason other species are perfectly intelligent. They're not doing that. Yeah. And animal rights activists would tell you it's because they're so intelligent they don't want to. And <laughs> yeah, okay, that's a cute line. But no, that's not why. It's because they're not sharing in something called collective intelligence, mm. where they accept everything is true and then share in that intelligence as a collective. You can know everything every human who came before you ever knew. Uh-huh. And part of that is the internet. Part of it is the written word. But the reason we have those things is because we share this giant group brain by a collective intelligence because we all believe everything everyone else says. Now, the flip side of that is things like QAnon and mm-hmm. 9-11 truthers. And when yeah. it goes sour, it goes really sour. People who will believe anything. Mm-hmm. Because they're believing pernicious things that they shouldn't believe. And those people aren't a new phenomenon. That has always existed. Things like the protocols of the elders of Zion or... Yeah, yeah, that that shit's always been around. Yeah. And people who have exploited it for their own gain have always been around. Mm -hmm. But that's also how evolutionary advantages work. You find an evolutionary advantage and then you exploit the loophole that comes with it. Because there's yeah. always a loophole. There's always a back door that you can kick in and fuck with. Yeah. So I don't I don't know if this has happened to you, but when I say like, uh, you know, I've 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 had trust issues for a while, right? <laughs> Maybe it's from like high you school and me both, my friend. <laughs> yeah. So so that's where I get curious because I, I've read a lot about, you know, the honesty bias and everything like that. But I think some of us, like when I hear something, one of my first instincts is like, I think you might be full of shit and you need to really prove this fact to me, right? Like when I see studies, like, you know, when the news is just like, oh, this new study says this and this and this or stats and all that. So I have this instinct of like, how do I know I can trust that? So like, I don't know if, you know, even researching this book, if it's made you even more skeptical, but like, do you catch yourself with the reverse where you find it even more difficult to trust? Like the honesty bias is like way back here because you're like, There's so many liars out here. I don't know who I could trust. Honesty bias is more fundamental than that. When I told you my name was Asia, did you question if that was true? No. No. (laughs) That's not how human brains work. You don't, every time you meet somebody go, is she lying about her name? Yeah. Is she really there? Am I hallucinating? Mm -hmm. Is this computer real? Yeah. People don't do that. It would take up too much bandwidth. You just accept everything you're presented with as real and keep moving. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, that bleeds over into information as well. Mm -hmm. The vast majority of people, they don't question. When you go to preschool and you learn the alphabet, you don't question, what is K? Mm -hmm. You just go, okay, yeah, K-L-M-N-O-P-Q-R. And then you learn to read. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's what makes humans so formidably intelligent. Unfortunately, it is also what makes us so easy to deceive. And Mm -hmm. that is the nature of deception and the nature of belief. And that, frankly, it's a good line. I was about to say, that is the truth about lies. (laughs) They are founded in belief. Yeah. So 
But do you think it, it base, it's based on the source? Like, for example, I, I almost guarantee if you found a clip or if you came across a clip of Tucker Carlson making some crazy claim, you'd be like, that's, that's, no, that's Well, bullshit. I already know he's a paid propagandist, so. Ah, so they, their reputation has to change before you. I know he's a paid propagandist. So right there, honesty bias is already at play. Mm. And, and more than honesty bias, well, there's more to it than that. There are other biases and other cognitive fallacies at work there. I'm relying on facts I already know to take an incomplete picture. See, this is more like what I explain in, uh, I think it's chapter three, about how a bait and switch works, mm. where you can draw the wrong conclusion based on real evidence. It's how a gold brick works or mind salting, where you take real evidence and you use it to trick someone into a, believing something fake. Like a gold brick was a gold rush swindle, where you take a lead bar and mm-hmm. you coat it in gold and you would trick someone into buying it because they know gold is heavy and they know gold is gold colored. Mm-hmm. And they know if you file a gold bar, it should be gold all the way through. And if you scratch it, it'll still be gold. And they're like, well, everything I know about gold says this is gold. Mm-hmm. I'll take it. And then you leave town, and when they melt it down, it's lead, and they're screwed. So that is how the human brain works. You use all of this real evidence, and you get tricked using your eyes and your brain and your memory functioning exactly how they should Mm -hmm. into falling for a lie. Mm. So when you said Tucker Carlson, and I said, I know he's a paid propagandist. Well, I know what gold looks like. I know what bullshit smells like. Yeah. So he could be telling the truth. He could say, I'm Tucker Carlson and I'm right here in Hungary with Victor Orban. And I'd go, well, I know he's a liar. So he could be anywhere Yeah. when he's in Hungary. So yeah, it is really hard to tell what's true and what isn't, isn't it? Yeah. It's almost impossible most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. I think just, you know, since I've, I've been thinking and reading about it so much, I'm like, sometimes I'm just like overanalyzing it and all that. But, but yeah. Through, through writing this book and just how you've like kind of seen how our minds work and stuff like that, how do you, how do you assess the information? How do you not fall? How do for, I sleep at night? Yeah, that too. Like, on a lot of man How do you make sure that you're not, you know, like you wait and you cover stuff. Like, how do you make sure you're not coming across bad information? Like, do you like double check? Bad information? You know? Yeah, whether it's um, news or research that you're doing, like, what do you do to make sure it's not wise? Well, there's new news, there's old news, and then there's science. So those are three solid categories. Mm. Um, if it's old news, like um, I wrote about the the Orson Welles. Uh, you know, um, War of the Worlds thing? War of the Worlds hoax. Yeah. Um, you can Google it. You can go on Wikipedia. You can read a bunch of crap, fourth hand. Mm-hmm. That's not a good source. Mm. The internet is not a good source. Love the internet. Everybody does. Um, what you need to do is get transcription, uh, get a transcript of the actual radio broadcast, which you mm. can do. Mm. A first-hand source. Yeah. That's how you know you got good information. Then you have to read the whole long, kind of boring transcript. And make sure you know what it said. Yeah. That's a good source. Mm. That's how you do old news. 
If you need old news of something that happened in the news, I, you know, I hate this as much as everybody else, but old newspapers, they're still on microfiche. You can get a newspaper from the 1800s. Yeah. I cited, I cited something H.L. Mencken wrote in a newspaper during World War I. That's nice. About the history of the bathtub. It was just a, a dumb little satirical article he wrote about the history of the bathtub full of lies. And he did it on purpose because he thought it was funny. Mm-hmm. But if you want to make sure you got it right, check out that article mm. from, from the, well, not quite the turn of the century, but it was during World War I. That's a hundred yeah. years ago. Yeah. You can still find it. Just mm. don't look for it on Wikipedia. Yeah. And um, if you're looking for new news, well, that's a little more difficult because you're taking other people's work for it. If you want to know what happened today in Belarus, mm-hmm. unless you are in Belarus, mm. it is very hard to be certain you're right. Yeah. Um, I find it's best not to report, unless you are a reporter, it's best not to stake your rep- reputation or what's happening on the other side of the world today. <laughs> I, ch- yeah. I tend not to do that. I'm specializing old news because yeah. it serves my point just as well. I see where um, The newest news I used was a study done on the history of Twitter about, I'm going to say, six, seven years ago at this point. Mm. And um, it was a published academic study. So they tend to be pretty exacting in how they report their data. And that almost falls under the third category, which is science. Mm-hmm. And there, I would say, don't get information anywhere except from accredited journals. Yeah. And once again, go right to the dry as hell sources. Yeah. We, uh, you know, a, a, a great example, too, and something I, I, I hope people learned about is uh, aside from that, like finding like the journal, we just had the situation with uh, that big news about Joe Rogan citing that study and he quotes the abstract. But so like, not only do you have to have access to the journal, you have to know how to read it and interpret it That's correctly, hard too. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you what do you do? Do you have like a, like a little group? Of I have experts? a science background. Oh, oh, well, that makes it even easier. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. that's what I try to figure out. Like, I, I've had like Stuart Ritchie on to talk about his book, and they like, you know, I'm trying to learn, and my girlfriend's in her master's program, and you know, so they teach me about like, you know, the p values and like sample sizes and some of those things. Because I'm like, you know, like, is this even a decent like amount of people or studies that was conducted? So I think that's you know, that's a huge part too. But yeah, it's it's tricky because sometimes they'll be they'll be like, well, it came from a journal. You know what I mean? So, okay. So it's not you, Asia. It's somebody else. What would you tell them? What would you tell a listener right now? They got a, a hold of this journal research piece. What should and they do? It's all Greek to them. They don't know what it says. Yeah. Yeah. They want to make sure they don't. Does. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that that's the bottom line. If you want to know what it says and you do not understand what it says, that is something Oh my God, I just had this conversation with something, somebody in a different way. That, mm. you know, it, it's like we got a hold of this doomsday machine in social media. Yeah. And like monkeys, and we broke open the radioactive component of it, and we're just, you know, smearing it on like lipstick and eating it. And, 
every once in a while, you accidentally use it for what it was meant for. I mm. was talking to some women I don't even know, mm -hmm. um, some, some black women who are doctors who are, I, I think, between five and 15 years older than me. And it casually came up that they do not tell strangers they meet that they're doctors. In fact, they hide this information. Hmm. And I said, why? And they said, white people get upset when they find out you're better educated than they are. Really? And I said, what? Because I'm Jewish. Yeah. I was like, if somebody's a doctor, we tell everyone. We tell <laughs> strangers. We, we introduce them in the grocery store to the checker as my nephew, the future doctor. Yeah. And they were like, that's funny, but no. And I was like, that hurts my heart that you worked so hard for that degree. And now you can't tell checkers at grocery stores. And they were like, no, no. Yeah. People had walked away mid conversation. And I was like telling my older sister this. And I was like, can you believe it? And she was like, I can't believe you're the only person I know who has ever used social media for its utopian intended purpose, which was meeting strangers and asking them about their life. What were you doing? And I was yeah. like, I don't know. It just came up. And I yeah. was like, it just came up. And I thought, yeah, that, I guess that was its alleged stated purpose. Like if instead of eating the radioactive material, we yeah. accidentally turned it on and it was a power generator. Yeah. So I would say we could use this horrible doomsday machine for its stated purpose mm -hmm. and post one of those studies and go, hey, Internet, I yeah. don't know what this study says. Is anybody a, what is this, an immunologist? Could you yeah. tell me what it says? Mm -hmm. My DMs are open. Yeah. No, that's, that's what I would do. Yeah, that, that's a great point because that's, that's actually what I've been doing. That's why I'm so glad I've met so many authors through this and, you know, I've read all these books because now I know, you know, who kind of specializes in what. And like, for example, I saw a poll the other day. I'm like, this poll seems a little wacky. And I like sent it over, you know, to uh, somebody who looks at polls and stuff. And uh, he was explaining to me like the margin of error and the sample size. I'm like, exactly. oh, you know, okay. So, but yeah, people are more than happy because we like to, we like to yeah. kind of flaunt what we're good at. And so if you're good at looking totally. at these papers, yeah, totally. people are more than happy to help. So, okay. So the main reason we set up this, this chat, we're going to dive into the craziness of the world today. So to give the listeners a little bit of a background on the conversation we were having on Twitter over the weekend. So Trump was at a rally, right? And mm -hmm. he was like, He's like, yeah, I believe, I don't know the exact quote. He's like, yeah, I believe in personal freedoms, but I got the vaccine and everybody's like, boo, right? And me, as somebody who's looking at like, you know, just crowd psychology and, you know, trying to figure out like, why do people follow someone blindly and not question it? So anyways, this is where you and I started having this conversation. Like Trump is one of the main figureheads who spread misinformation and vaccine hesitancy and downplayed the coronavirus, right? Well, now that he's telling the truth, why don't people believe him, but they believe the lie? That's where I'm confused. And you had a little bit of a theory about that. I'm like, hold that thought. Let's talk about it on the podcast. So break it down for me, Asia. Oh, well, I wrote a whole chapter about the guru con and how that works. Mm -hmm. And um, so you, can, you guys can read a whole chapter on it without ever having to hear the name Trump, which <laughs> yeah. I think is the best part of my book. <laughs> um, there's so many books about Trump, and I did not want to read another one yeah um 
what we were talking about was what do you do for mm-hmm. these people yeah. who won't believe him at this point? They've gone off him. They were booing him. That, that was the question. Yeah. Was how do you deal with people who have bought into a lie and can't be dissuaded? Mm-hmm. And the lie being vaccines are going to kill you. Mm-hmm. And um, you said, if I recall, that you think it's crisis intervention on a scale of like 35 million people. Oh, yeah. I was talking about like talking to people individually and one-on-one yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and I joke, I said, that's a, I was joking, yeah, that's, I was, a that's a heavy lift, man. Yeah. I, <laughs> and, but I wasn't serious, not really about the let him go part. I said, um, work smart, not hard. Yeah. Uh, instead of trying to convince them they've been lied to, which is almost impossible once people have truly believed a lie. That's, yeah. that's an actual fact. It's, it's easier to convince anyone yeah to believe any lie about anything than it is to convince someone who has believed a lie that they've been deceived which is mm-hmm. terrifying when you actually stop and think about that yeah you can convince anyone of any lie about anything more easily than you could then convince them nah that wasn't true i tricked you yeah that's horrifying yeah But since that's the case, what I was proposing to you was the way I would handle it is not to try to intervene with each one of these people and their own personal hostage negotiator, Mm -hmm. try to talk them down and convince them your life's worth it. Just just accept the truth and you will be saved and admit vaccines are great. But rather, since they're persuadable, let's say. Mm -hmm maybe a little more persuadable than most people. Mm -hmm. Give them a new lie. Like what? Just a new lie. A new lie that allows them permission to believe they should take a vaccine without contradicting the first lie that has become a load-bearing lie in their central beliefs about themselves and reality over the last five years. Mm. If they believe... They were lied to about vaccines in some way, and they need to continue to believe that. Let them continue to believe that. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, they believe there were microchips in them, or they weren't tested long enough, or something. Let them believe it. Let them continue to believe those vaccines are bad, sketchy, or need to be tested forever, for infinity, and they can't Mm -hmm. go near them. Okay. There are new vaccines coming out soon. Several. Let's say those vaccines are good. Those vaccines are different. Yeah. And maybe you were right about those other vaccines. Let's not talk about them anymore. Let's, let's not get them anymore. Let's yeah. just, let's brush those aside in the conversation and accept that, you know, you might have been right about those vaccines. In fact, let's get the GOP in lockstep and everybody on Fox News and Newsmax and OANN <laughs> want to not get massive class action lawsuits for mis- disinformation that has killed hundreds of thousands of people mm-hmm. let's get them in lockstep saying those other vaccines they were terrifying and these new vaccines though they're good we're getting them we're all getting them we're going to get them on the air they're so good you need to get them they're so good they're definitely yeah safe. i see what you're saying 
That's a new lie that doesn't contradict the old lie, but serves the purpose of granting you permission to get this new vaccine and still feel righteous in the Mm -hmm. old lie simultaneously. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah, I could see, I could see something like that. And then I'm like thinking it's, of all like it's the ethical questions. It's patting your head and rubbing your stomach at the same time. Yeah. So, and, and that's the other thing, like, as you were talking about this, uh, I was thinking about, about your book because like the story about the dude with the fake country and everybody needs to go read it. Like, like, I, I don't know if I was like really like drawn in because I'm kind of like a, you know, I, I like like true crime stories and stuff. And you kind of like seeing like, what, what happened? How did you, this happen? But anyways, uh, I'm not going to spoil the entire story, but even when these people, the people who survived go into that fake country, they, they, they like blame themselves. They're like, oh, I must've gone to the wrong place or they didn't want to out the dude for scheming them. But it makes sense from like a cognitive dissonance standpoint, right? Like I'm smart. I wouldn't have fallen for that. So there must be another explanation. That was the most horrifying part of the truly horrifying story of mass murder. Yeah, that, yeah. That uh, he sent all of these people to a country that didn't exist to die, and most of them did. And the handful of people that lived and were rescued came back and defended him in court. Mm-hmm. And said it wasn't him. He didn't lie. I don't know what happened to the country. Somebody must have lied about him. Somebody yeah. must have destroyed the country. Somebody must have sent us to the wrong place. The captains must have conspired. Couldn't have been him, this big freaking liar. It wasn't him. They absolutely defended him because that's, I mean, the first chapter was about how the big lie works. And that's how the big lie works. It's a lie so big, you would have to question your own sanity to not believe it. Yeah. Yeah. Or the sanity of the person telling the lie. Yeah. And if you question the sanity of the person telling the lie, you never fall for it in the first place. Mm-hmm. And if you fall for it in the first place, you can't ever unfall for it. You can't ever snap out of it without believing you're insane or so stupid. You should just delete yourself. Yeah. Do you, do you worry that that's, do you worry that that's part of the problem? Like, do you think, okay, let's, let's take 100% of QAnon. Okay. What percentage do you think there's a percentage that want to leave, but the embarrassment or admitting that they fell for this or whatever? Like, because when I see someone leave, like, you know, there's this tendency to want to be like, how'd you fall for it in the first place? But do you think there's people who recognize that and they're like, well, I'm already in, so I'm just going full-fledged, just, you know, where we go one, where we go all with this, because they can't deal with that. I think it's a club that you just said it, that statement right there. Yeah. Where we go one, we go all. It's that's... I think a lot of people, it's like Nazism. How many Nazis do you think really believed mm. in the principles of Nazism? And how many of them do you think thought they looked really handsome in that uniform and wanted to be part of a club? Yeah. I think a lot of them want to be in that club. And when I, I think when enough of them leave that club and then start crying victim, mm-hmm. there'll be a new club they can join. Yeah. Yeah. The I was, I was exploited. I was brainwashed. I was, I was victimized. Yeah. Yeah. That makes, that makes sense. And because they don't really believe it. It was just fun. Yeah. yeah. My nephew is a genius. He's a little, little boy. And he was watching some Netflix documentary about QAnon. 
And I walked into the kitchen and I see this cherubic little kid sitting there watching it. And I stand there for a minute in the kitchen, you know, making dinner. And I see him watching it and it's actually pretty, it's not graphic, but it's, I mean, they're saying things that I'm kind of wondering if you should be watching this. And I was like, angst, what are you watching? And he says, oh, it's about QAnon and how people fall down the rabbit hole of belief. Yeah. Really little. And I was like, okay. And he was like, who knew you could weaponize blues clues and turn people into murderers and domestic terrorists? Yeah. I just almost cut off a finger. I was, I started laughing so hard. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, he hit the nail right on the head. Yeah. Basically, they weaponized blues clues. Mm-hmm. It was a, it was just like a dumb scavenger hunt game. Yeah, it was fun for these bored people. Yeah, yeah, especially like during the pandemic. And I, yeah, you- exactly. They're bored. They're at home. They don't have friends. They can't go anywhere. So they start playing Blue's Clues until they turn into domestic terrorists. Yeah, yeah, it's it's mouths of vapes. But you know that that kind of transitions perfectly into you know one of one of the last questions I want to ask you, like. When you're writing a book like this and you're you're kind of educating people through all your research and stuff, are you also worried at some point like you're giving people like, you know, like the the the, the how to the instructions on how to make a bomb? That you know is a I mean? hugely important question and I, I want to answer it, but I do want to point out yeah. uh before we leave that other subject, the question of how many people are crazy. Oh and yeah, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It relates to that story about the man who made up the island. Okay. That handful of people who wouldn't let it go, those are true believers. They yeah. really believe big lie. And the question of do 35 million people really believe Trump's big lie? When they yeah. say, you know, the South will rise again and there's going to uh-huh. be civil war, do they mean it? Do they really believe him? Yeah. And I'm going to say no, actually. Even yeah. just out of the ones that went to the Capitol and crawled up the side of the building and ran in there dressed like idiots in horns. Mm-hmm. No, they don't. They're playing blues clues until they become domestic terrorists. And you know how you know mm-hmm. that they don't really believe it? Because okay. if they did, they would die clinging to those beliefs like the victims of the fake country. Mm. And those people did. The ones in the Capitol? The minute they went to jail for five minutes? You snapped out of it. Oh, it took three seconds of, but I want vegan food in jail. And Mm -hmm. what do you mean Donald Trump says he didn't send me here for them to go? The president sent us. He lied to us. He told us to come riot. Yeah. I'll I'll testify. Can I get a deal? People don't do that when they really believe it. Yeah. Snapped right out of it. Few of them don't. Few of them will not flip. And those are the ones you can tell really still believe it. Yeah. The vast majority of them, bam, a week in jail and they're cured, Mm -hmm. which means they didn't really believe it. It was a mass psychosis state, the kind you see at concerts and tent revivals where people get so excited that they feel like they believe things, you know, they feel cured of, of whatever Thing they say they're cured of for 24 hours or they feel like it's a great idea to go crowd surfing until they end up on their head or whatever it is yeah. but it's it's not real and it's not permanent so yeah. no i don't think 35 million people are, are incurably insane 
Yeah, no, I'm glad. I'm glad you circled back and brought that brought that up. So we'll we'll table the other part for a second because, yeah, I when you talk about when we talk about that, the reason I I, I wanted to make sure we touched on it too was a few I mean, weeks. I think they're dickheads for sure. Yeah, but I don't like, think they're incurably insane. A, a few weeks ago, and this is crazy because it, when I when I say it, it almost sounds like a conspiracy theory, which is something I try to bring people on to debunk. But anyways, the guy from Santa Barbara who killed his two kids, right? And I'm I was from Santa Barbara. I'm from Santa Barbara. Isn't that I know, crazy? but I just thought <laughs> I'd bring that up. Yeah, yeah. I know you're from Santa Barbara, too. Yeah, so, but... Like, the best but, people are from Santa Barbara. Yeah, I miss it. Let's go back to the guy who killed his whole family. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, I was just, I, I was just thinking, I was just thinking, there's a plus, is it possible that with the rise of QAnon and it being such, you know, there's documentaries, it's always on the news, it's storm the Capitol, like, like, you could kind of use that as a cover, right? Like, oh, I fell down this rabbit hole and I thought my... Yes. So like, that is a hugely important point. When I said they're not incurably insane, although I do think they're enormous assholes, mm-hmm. I, I also think, I mean, I think I was about to say they showed their entire asses, but what they really did was they showed their hand, mm. you know, like in poker. They showed their hand. They showed which ones are white supremacists. They mm. showed which ones really want to overthrow the government. They showed which ones are in bed with really scary fascist groups Mm. that we weren't paying attention to while we were paying attention to the war on terror overseas and not domestic terrorism. Mm -hmm. Uh, They show which ones really are Looney Tunes crazy and actually do believe this stuff. And they showed which ones are just criminally insane like that guy Mm. and latched onto this stuff. And when I believe, you eat people. And it's like, no normal person would believe that because mm-hmm. they saw a dumb website. I see dumb websites all the time. I don't then, you know, start killing people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, almost like a duck call. It just called all the crazy people out. Yeah. Yeah. I get, I get mass psychosis. Yeah. Called I out see all the that. crazy people and all the people who wanted a reason. Mm hmm commit mass acts of violence yeah and I, th- I think you know you're you're spot on like there's just like oh there's all sorts of people in this it's and it's all mixed together like uh yeah. i had i had some psychologists on here who wrote a book on q and on uh dr sophia muskalenko and uh, maya, uh maya bloom and and yeah because i was curious i'm like i'm like are people with mental illness or like you know uh, paranoia and psychosis so they're more likely to fall for conspiracies and it could work both ways just depending on i was gonna say the- actually in People ask that, are crazy people more likely to fall for lies? And sometimes certain kinds of lies, but on average, no. Mm. Because most lies exploit loopholes in a normal, healthy, functioning brain. Mm. And if your brain is not functioning normally, really hard to get you to fall for normal lies, like a gold brick or a bait and switch or, you know, like try lying to a schizophrenic. It does not work. Yeah. A card trick does not work on a schizophrenic. Mm. A bait and switch does not work on on uh, most people with Asperger's. Yeah. But my favorite is um, is a lot of uh, perceptual um, loopholes mm-hmm. that are exploited like in the, Like the shell game you talked about in yeah, there? Yeah, like shell games. Yeah. Those don't work on a lot of people with a lot of different cognitive disabilities mm. because those loopholes were already damaged. So they're not really trusting what they're seeing in the same way the rest of us are. 
and the fact that we trust what we see so implicitly mm. is how we get lied to so easily. Yeah. And if you're already not quite, it's like being hard of hearing. If you don't really trust what you hear so much, you're not relying on it so much. Mm. If you don't see as well, you might feel your way around a room a little bit. It, mm. It's harder to lie to people who aren't as certain of their reality. Yeah. No, I could. Yeah, that totally, that totally makes sense. Yeah. So yeah, that, 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 that's interesting. Uh, and yeah, like, because I've, I've worked in like the mental health field and stuff and, and, you know, like they, you know, there's always that analogy of like, you know, a kid calling out the truth, like the emperor has no clothes, right. Because they're not falling for some of the things. And, and, uh, you know, it's almost like the smarter you are too, the less you think you can be deceived as well. So that's part of it too. You're like, Oh, that's I'm what a- I meant about a bait and switch. You rely on facts, you know? Yeah. And people use real facts to construct lies. You arrange them the right way and people go, yes, I will buy that gold brick from you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, we'll bring, we'll bring it back. So one of my final questions, do you think, was this a concern while you were writing the book that someone's got to look at this and be like, oh man, I know how to sell you know, the Brooklyn Bridge, I can create a country. It'd be harder to create a country now that we have like GPS and maps and all that stuff. You know what I mean? But are you worried that people like Did taking I make notes? the bomb makers cookbook for liars? Yeah. Are you, are you worried about that at all? Um, well, now I am. <laughs> I planted it in there. <laughs> and you told them where to buy it. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, I, I, I like I I'm you know I I have like a utilitarian point of view and I just look at it, I'm like yeah, I think more people would benefit from it right because even if it did a few people did figure out how to swindle some people like you're helping more people realize how to catch it or catch themselves right honestly no I don't I was joking uh no I don't think I I am because making a bomb takes a recipe and attention to detail uh Selling a country that doesn't exist takes talent. Ah, uh, yeah. Just knowing point. you can do it is not how you pull it off. Come on, uh, man. Yeah. Knowing that counterfeiting is a lie we all agree to, and it's it's how the wheels of society function, and it's a lie that becomes retroactively true. It's all fascinating. But that doesn't mean you could counterfeit a $20 bill after you read it. Yeah. You know, could you paint me the Mona Lisa? No. Nah. Yeah. No, I get it too. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm almost thinking of like magicians. Half of magic is like showmanship, right? Mm-hmm. So unless somebody has that kind of charisma and they can sell it and you know what I mean? So yeah, there's, there's more factors than some oh, people just yeah. like, I understand everything about how three card Monty works, everything. Yeah. And I mean, I understand neural, I understand the neurology of how it works. I, I understand the neurology of persistence of vision why you see something with your eyes and your brain tells you something different happened. And it takes yeah. a tenth of a second for the firing in the neurons to get from your eyes to your brain, like all of it. So well that Penn Jillette said, this book's amazing. Yeah. You are one smart cookie. And I'm like, damn, I can't shuffle cards without yeah. them going all over the table. Like when I play cards with people, they won't let me shuffle. Yeah. You can't pull off a lie just because you know how it's done. Beautiful. So good. So Asia's book is completely safe for everybody to read. We're not going to create a bunch of liars. So, so yeah, I dig it. 
Someone complained in a review there were several F bombs. It's not completely safe. I thought well, it, I've read I've read many more F bombs. Yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> it's pretty good on the language. I, I yeah, it's extremely I, precious. Yeah, exactly. But but yeah. So so one of the things is is uh, where can people find it? Because you're just doing like a was it is, is it international now? Because it was just no, in the states it's, or... it's international and domestic. They just have yeah. two different covers. Got it. Is there two different titles too, or no? Just two oh, different covers. Um, <laughs> For some reason, the British publisher changed the subtitle. They, oh. they insisted. And I was like, all right, you, you do you. You put a cooler cover on it. You can put a different subtitle. Yeah. And then the British press hated the subtitle so much. It was like hilarious. And I was like, okay, that's yeah. hilarious. Um, but yeah, the title is The Truth About Lies in any country. Nice. And um you can get it anywhere. You can get it on Amazon. You can get it in bookstores. Mm-hmm. You can get it. I got it on Audible. I did the audio version. That was me. Yeah, I heard you. So yeah, I, I enjoy it. Since I'm an audio listener, I'm like, you know what? I like when the author comes in and reads this. Heard so. me laughing my way through the section on televangelists. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. So, uh, <laughs> and, and I, I don't know when you're going to be writing your next book or are you going to bring back that other book that you set aside, like the sequel to Stoned, which I still need to go back and read. Like what's, what's on the horizon? Oh, please read Stoned. I love that book. Yeah. Um, you know, I threw a crying tantrum and said, I will never write another book recently, <laughs> but, um, somebody just yesterday asked me if I would write the follow-up to Stoned, which is about um, culture and commerce and the meeting mm. point on the Silk Road, which was ironically in the Khyber Pass and in Afghanistan and was about minerals and um, metal and weapons. And it's mm. called Hammered. Oh, <laughs> okay, cool. So that gives me time to read Stone. Then, you know, when you calm down, you can go back. And, and- I calm down <laughs> and stop rage crying about publishing. Yeah. So where, where can people find you? Where's the best place? Is it Twitter? Is it Instagram? Yeah, Twitter and Instagram. Totally. Beautiful. All Send right, me I'll a message. Say hi. Link. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're very responsive on there and you have a little chat. So I love it. So, so yeah, thanks so much. I'm glad we we're finally able to do this. Me and too. Yeah, we'll, we'll do it again sometime once I read Stoned. Totally. All right, everybody. That was my conversation with Asia about her book, The Truth About Lies. And yeah, she's she's super interesting. And it's 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 great. Like she really like dives into the research and knows about this stuff. Like she taught me a few things about fact checking. Like I'm like, oh, you know, I'm a I'm a fact checking guru. But the research she done, like finding like the old, old, old original articles, like that's something that I'm adding to my repertoire for when I want to like fact check stuff or get down to like the original source and see how like you know things kind of evolve or narratives and all that but but yeah uh make sure you're following asia too like she she gets into stuff and she's you know she she has a very interesting perspective and stuff i love you know just seeing the conversation she gets into on twitter but yeah uh i i hope you enjoyed the conversation and you you realize how awesome her book is and how interesting it is so make sure you're following her and check out the description down below grab a copy of her book it is now available internationally. So make sure that you grab a copy. All right. But yeah, down in the description below, make sure you're following me as well at The Rewired Soul over on Instagram and Twitter so we can stay in touch and you don't miss any upcoming episodes. And make sure you are following or subscribe to the podcast as well. So uh, yeah, some of you are like, hey, Chris, what is an easy, super easy 
free way to support the podcast. Well, let me tell you, dear listener, two things you could do that are absolutely phenomenal is what I, I messed that word up. Phenomenal. If you go over to Apple, leave a rating, leave a review. That helps a ton. And what else helps is if you share this episode over on your favorite social media platform. All right. So say, for example, you got some friends and you don't want to call them out by name, but maybe they get conned. Maybe they get lied to a lot. Maybe they're really gullible. This might be a great episode for you to share, right? But any of the, any of the episodes you like, but yeah, anyways, uh, leaving a rating, leaving a review, sharing it, all that stuff really helps get the podcast out there to new people. It shows the algorithms like, Hey, this is cool. It'll spread it a little bit more and we grow this lovely little community. All right. But some other ways you can support the podcast and my insane reading habit. Uh, there's some links down below. You can go to the rewiredsoul.com and pick up one of my books uh, that I've self-published on mental health or addiction recovery. You can also become a patron. And there's also an affiliate link down below for better health, better help online therapy. I, it's It's been a long day. But anyways, better help online therapy. Uh, yeah, if you want to work with a licensed therapist from your state, from the convenience of your own home, and it's affordable as all hell, it's a service that I've personally used. So check out that affiliate link for better help online therapy. But anyways, anyways, clearly it's been a long day. So I, I got to get going. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. And this upcoming week, I have more great conversations with some awesome authors. And we have a we have a nice variety of topics that we're going to be diving into. So, so yeah, enjoy the rest of your day. And I will see you next time.